This message is brought to you by IOM America and the International Fellowship of Exchange Life. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I am your ministry host. We hope that the Lord blesses you today as you listen to our podcast. We want to welcome our online listeners this morning. This is number nine of our identity series. You say, how many numbers are there in our identity series? Seven, seven. The textbook that we are writing for Christian schools or homeschoolers, or maybe you will be using this textbook as a personal study. It's going to have 777 pages. We're just having a little fun with the numbers. 77 chapters, 77 identity truths for the seven areas of life. This is number nine. If you want to listen to or read the articles posted on these topics, uh, you can go to our media library by going to either one of our websites, and it will take you to um, a media library that's hosted by Sermon.net. And you can print off the PDF files, the actual articles that we write that are going to be or already are the highlights of the textbook that we're hoping will be released by the publisher in spring of 2014. There's also PowerPoint slides in that media library. We encourage you to at least open up that file or print off that file before you listen to the audio message. But if you heard me just say that, you're already listening to the audio message. We encourage you to read, have the PowerPoint slides, that's where I put the diagrams, and have the audio. That all can be found at www.iomamerica.org or x-changelife.org. Exchangelife.org. Or, of course, uh, Heartland Fellowships. Org. You can find that media library at any one of those websites. So today's message is titled Reconciliation, number nine in our series. Forgiveness is a very interesting word, actually. In the Greek, the Greek always uses its own word to define itself. In the Latin, which happens to be a Cush language between Greek and English, in the Latin, you can always find the word that defines itself inside the word. Which word is that? What's that? Give. What did we just read about what Jesus talked about the offering? Giving. Forgiveness, even in the Latin, is to give before someone has a chance to give to you. That's forgiveness. You get on your knees and wash their feet before they have a chance to come to you. Oh no, our pride has got to say, they hurt me, they need to come to me. Do you know how often proud people go to other people to seek for forgiveness? Zero. Pride does not allow people who are offending others regularly to go to the people they're offending because they're proud. They're separated from life. So God has to look at the ones who are innocent, mostly, and say, you go to them. You get to them before they ever have a chance to come to you. That's forgiveness. 
Give your life before they have a chance to give to you. Forgiveness is also a financial term. So is reconciliation. When you reconcile numbers, what are you doing? Someone please tell me. You've got to reconcile your bank account. What are you doing? Balancing it out. So what will or will not happen? Yeah. The goal is so that you don't become overdrawn, which is debt. That is the type of debt that Jesus is referring to in Matthew 5. Be in debt to no one. Well, the debt that Jesus paid, he wasn't just talking about what's not in your wallet. The debt that Jesus paid, he's talking about those of you, which is all of us, running around in debt in relationships. We're overdrawn, we're taxing relationships. And Jesus said, that's not how I've designed you to be. You be in bondage to no man. Forgiveness is a very powerful word. How in the world do you expect Jesus to forgive you if you won't forgive someone else? Does that verse sound familiar? Good for the goose is good for the gander. What you do unto the least of these, my brethren, you do unto me. That's what he said to us, quote unquote. If you're unreconciled with your daddy or your mommy, your brother, your sister, an old friend or an enemy... You're unreconciled with God. I can prove that in Scripture backwards and forwards. doesn't mean you're going to go to hell. It just means you're not completely united. So God said, just leave the offering thing alone for a moment. It's not going to make you feel any better. Go get reconciled with your brother that you know has got ought against you. And then come back. And I'd be more than willing to receive your gift. He's saying relationships are more important than your cash, what's in your wallet. But since we live in a debt society, I mean, 62% of people buy groceries with plastic. See, we are so used to debt, to think through debt-free in relationships, can be on the bottom of our list. We can go 25 years knowing that we hate someone's guts. Okay, I won't use those terms. That's not Christian. I'll just avoid them. There is someone inside your mind right now as I'm speaking that you've been resisting God to go reconcile with. I already know that because that's how it works. And wherever you are, whatever country you're in, whatever state you're in, whatever ministry you're in, I don't care if you're a big preacher, a little preacher, no preacher, dinner, I don't really care what you do. What I care about is what you're not doing. And if there is someone God is saying, get that relationship taken care of, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you don't move forward in your ministry until you do. Have you ever tried to reconcile with someone whom you had not yet forgiven for their part? I mean, if there's one person that takes this message and goes, wow, I've got to go talk to my brother. Don't. First thing you need to do is extend forgiveness to that brother in prayer with God directly by laying your sins down, your reactions down before God. Say, Father, I was wrong for the hate or the animosity or the separation or the, or the condemnation or whatever it is I did to this brother. I confess that to you. And I appropriate my forgiveness of what Christ did on the cross of relieving that debt for me, I appropriate, I choose to accept it as truth.
And God, I'm more than willing to go to that person if you're asking me to. In Jesus' name, amen. Then you are cleared between God and humanity. Then he will say, go. You and I are okay now. Go. Then you are going to this person who has hurt you or who you hurt. Usually it's both ways. And there's not ought, offense, in your own heart. Therefore, when they do this, which is the latter part of the chapter, you'll immediately offer the other cheek. Instead of having to pray about for two hours that you got slapped. Instead of having to pray for seven years because they sued you. Yes, that's in this chapter. Because if you already offer them your shoes before they sue you, if you already offer them your coat before they sue you, if you already offer the left cheek before they hitch on the right cheek again, you are literally seizing the moment and stopping the abuse. Resistance begs for abuse. And you know it. And that chapter is filled with that. If you have, you know that things go bad at the first reaction of your attempt. It takes the mind, life of Christ within you to do the extending and seeking forgiveness of another. Well, as most of us know, that can't happen until the indwelt believer, that's someone who has the living life of Jesus Christ inside your mortal body, appropriating his or her identity in Christ. You see, now that I go to this person who I know is going to be filled with pride, or at least I'm assuming, and they're going to reject me, they're going to hurt me in some fashion, but I'm still going to them, and I'm reconciling with them, and I'm expecting them to be rude, crude, and rejective. Now they're a mission. As I've said to DK and many others, I love working with the worst cases. Murderers, gangbangers, they're real people. They're not faking it up. They're not standing in front of their Christian mirror in the morning and getting everything dolled up and looking and presenting themselves as perfection of the church when in reality there is deterioration in their relationships. Now I know I'm going to get some hate mail on this message. I usually do anytime I address reconciliation because the first one I get is we have to set boundaries. We have to... Uh, be careful about abuse. We have to, we have to, we have to. And therefore, they use these standards created by man to protect themselves from, quote-unquote, further rejection. I'm not asking you to go back into an abusive relationship. You can have a lot of space between their mark on the floor and your mark on the floor and seek their forgiveness. And particularly if they have abused you, I have done for 36 years of counseling, we do it over the phone. I'm on one extension, the counselee's on the other extension, and that phone call is made. There's lots of protection. What's bound on earth is bound in heaven. What's released on earth is released in heaven. You don't think you're not going to have to revisit these bondage relationships you've had and refuse to reconcile? You don't know our husband. When you die, your past is not forgotten. I don't know where we get that doctrine. You know that would literally erase Judgment Day? Your past is your present. Whether you've reconciled the issues of your past is the question. 
Now, have you been reconciled unto the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation? Well, yeah. Okay, you're going to heaven. You got your ticket. So when, you know, you, 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 you come up to that gate, you go, yeah, some, when I was seven years old, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. There it is. You think that's all there is to it? Wow, you're just not reading your Bible if you believe that. <laughs> he gave us a book. It's called the book of Revelation. To explain to you what happens on the other side forever. So this is a serious topic. The body of Christ. Once body members of Jesus Christ begins to function from his true or her true identity in Christ, there's strength and grace released that is beyond himself, herself, with the ability, I might add, that gives him and her the same abilities of Christ, the same abilities of Christ, the same abilities of Christ to resolve conflicts with others. Because I have the life of Christ living inside me, I have his ability to reconcile the relationship through me. I don't need my own strength. And to think that I'm fearful about that person or what are they going to say? That's you, 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 me, 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 me. That is not, Christianity is not about us. Who's it about? It's our husband. It's the same thing in human marriages. Anytime you see a marriage where the woman is making it all about her, her rights, her, her, what she wants in the house, her, 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 and it turns this husband into this passive, placid, blob. Why does he run somewhere else to find significance? Because the bride is not using her unbelievable strength. Women are very strong. Women are very courageous. Women are everything they say they are. But what are they doing with it? Advancing the bride of Christ for themselves? I don't live for me. In the days that I do live for me, Jesus Christ is quick to correct me. To say, Stephen, this isn't about you. See, this isn't even about the bride of Christ. It's about me. And by the way, I'm not even going to keep the glory. I'm going to give it to our Father. But how can I give it to the Father unless you come unto me if you're weary and heavy laden? But why are you fixing the fix that I've got fixed on you to get you fixed from always fixing people? Just if you're weary and heavy laden, come unto me. I'm your husband. I'll give you rest. Then I'm going to take all your stuff and I'm going to give it to the Father. Because I'm not keeping it because my load's lighter than your load. Do you understand that the profound knowledge of that statement? My yoke is lighter than yours? I don't know human mind that can, that can process that. This is Jesus Christ of the universe, folks, we're talking about here. And he's saying... His yoke is lighter than Steve Finney's. He doesn't hang on to your crap. He doesn't hang on to your sins. He remembers not. It is your sins are eliminated on the cross and all of the burdens that you carry are passed on to the Father. There's nothing held anymore. So when you appropriate your identity in Christ, your load gets lighter. So people who walk around with burdens, 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 burdens are just communicating to me that they don't understand who they are in Christ. They're carrying around more sin and weight than Jesus Christ himself. 
Now, we don't get who we are in Christ. We like to rearrange the doctrines to meet our morbid simplicity. Danger of that will drive you into the tomb again. You'll sit there on that cold slab rebuking demons all day long. Call on few deliverance ministries to call the demons out of the tomb. Not a, you not even realizing that those demons are supposed to stay in the tomb. And rebuking them out. You're the one that went into the tomb. Instead of walking around living the resurrection life, you're the one that walked it back into that tomb. You can cast demons out all day long, and the furthest they're going to get is that round stone. Because they're held in bondage to that tomb. Whether you want to play around with them, with doctrines of demons, is your choice. Or you can walk as a free child of the living God. And not carrying around any weight. Like your husband. Profound truths. Forgiveness in the Hebrew. Shemak lamed yud hech in hey. This is the Hebrew definition of forgiveness. Which when put together is to turn toward authority to make the reveal. To turn toward authority to make the reveal. That's Hebrew for forgiveness. If you try to do this on your own to, for, to extend forgiveness to someone on your own without turning to an authority figure, it is not going to happen. It's just blah, 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 blah words. Ten minutes after you walk away from that relationship, you'll be obsessed with thoughts again. Because you didn't turn toward the author and the perfecter of our faith to make the great reveal. What reveal? That you are a part of this sin. List your reactions for me. But I didn't do... List your reactions to me. <coughs> Counselor many years ago had me list out how I believe my father hurt me. And then under each one of how I believe he... Well, I believed that my father hurt me. I had to put a list of reactions per offense to one of the things that my father did to hurt me. There was a list of 18 items. You see, sin has a funny way of developing an account system. One offense, 18 reactions. So exactly who's more guilty? Even one sin, 18 sins on your part. He said, pack your bags, go back to your father, reconcile those 18 items, and come back to your intern program. Now, we were living in Denver. My folks in northwest Iowa. I had 18 hours to think about this. One sin versus my 18. Kind of brings justice to the scale very quickly. I was the one down here. And I have to go to him? Yes, you have to go to him. Because he's never going to come to you. And he never did. He cried. He confessed a few things. He's a preacher's kid. He knew how it worked. But from that moment to the day that he died, he never brought up one of his own sins to me. But I was free. I've been ministering to hundreds of people and couples since. 
to find the same freedom. Here's the Greek. The Greek is grant freedom, pardon, deliverance, forgiveness, liberty, remission. Remission is a very interesting word, by the way. Remission that Christ offers us. You put a dash between re and what do you have? Or after re. Mission. You're given a second chance to finish the mission you were put on earth to do. That's remission. Your choice. And most say, not going to do it. I am not going to do what God asked me to do. Put them together and here's what we have. Full meaning, to grant freedom, deliverance, and remission through the turning to authority, Christ, to make known the reveal of liberty. I hate to remind you of this, but our country was founded on this statement. Lady Liberty sits in that port as a statement of this statement. But I'm afraid it's not Lady Liberty that is our authority. Your husband. His name's Jesus Christ. If you're not an indwell believer, he's not your husband. If you are an indwell believer, a born again Christian, he is your husband forever, for eternity. Maybe there's someone out there that's going, oh, I, I want to be a bridal member. Well, you can't be. Unless one thing happens. You are willing to confess out your life. Put it all at the feet of your husband to be Jesus Christ. And appropriate what he did on the cross. Allow him within split seconds to take you to the cross and put to death the old man, the old nature, the old self. Breathe new life into your mortal body through your spirit, body, soul, spirit. Breathe life into you. No actions by your own and you will be filled up literally with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Then you can call Jesus Christ your husband. There are thousands if not millions of people walking around on the face of the earth or calling themselves Christians and it's a good term by the way because Christian in the Greek means Christ follower, one who does business with Christ. Business with Christ. There's a label given to us not a label we gave ourselves. It's a business arrangement. And our church is filled with those who follow Jesus, but there's no indwelt life of Jesus Christ. And that's why, as most of you know, in my writings and teachings, I use the term indwelt Christian. When we first started using the term indwelt Christian, there was a little under 2,000 references on the internet. I checked recently and we're up to over a million, 400,000 references, hits. What does that mean? 
Christians are starting to figure this out, that there's something different between a Christian and an indwelt believer. Because there's going to be millions standing before Christ thinking, just completely thinking they're safe and secure because they've been pew setters or walking around putting money in their offering plates and doing great services to humanity all over the world. And Christ is going to look at them and say, someone please quote the verse for me. Get away from me. Modern translations, get away from me. Some of the older translations say, for I know you not. Be gone. Get away from my presence and get away from my bride. Millions of people who are going to die because they have followed the traditional Greek definition of Christian. I know Christ followers all over the world. The question I have to ask is what Christ are you following? Because that's not the one that I read about. That's not the one I pray to. That's not the one who speaks to me. Where are you getting these cheap doctrines? Well, you know, it's my interpretation of that verse. Oh, really? There are no interpretations of the Bible. Just the Holy Spirit brings to light the truth. But when you start messing with Jesus and calling him male and female at one time and, and saying that he will never send anyone to hell, all this stuff you hear in the emergent church today, that is not my Jesus. Either that, or I've got some issues with God. He's a liar. He's not. He's a truth-sayer. He is truth. He is the definition of truth. Whatever he says in his holy word is absolute truth. Anyone who messes with it is messing with the throne of God. God is not a liar. I think that's the other guy. Twist things just a little bit. Now let's show you in a pictorial form what this looks like. Whatever the relationship is, friendship, family relationship, there's something in that relationship that initially attracted you to each other. This works really well in a marriage or, or an engagement relationship or in a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. Something forms this attraction. From the attraction, you start to have openness. You start to share. You come to the coffee shop and you're starting to share about your stories, your life, your, your loves, your hates. Your, you just start being open with the person. Once you're open, it requires the big C, commitment. When you start sharing with someone, you start speaking the truth, I can promise you this day, this is I speaking, not the Lord, I can promise you this day that there's going to be a test in the commitment in your relationship. Every time I have a visitor of a counseling session, I automatically assume I will never see them again. Because that is the majority of the body of Christ today. They don't want to hear the truth. They can make it through one sermon, one counseling session, one chapter in a book, and then they shut it off. It's too much. 
That C is what moves the person to exposure. And they know it. They sense it. If I commit to continue in this conversation, if I commit to continue listening to this podcast, if I commit to this person in, in marriage, if I commit, see it locks them in. Are people afraid of commitment today? Maybe. Average age of marriage in America is what again? 28. Average age of marriage 10 years ago was? 21. The average age of marriage 50 years ago was? And it'll take you all the way back to the Hebrew design of marriage at the age of 13. Changing, folks. Big C. Phobia. Because we know, we're not stupid, we know exposure follows commitment. Well, what follows ex exposure? DK says to me one day, there's very few humans that I love as much as DK. God told me, now almost four years ago, that never to give up on this guy. Never. For any reason. Well, we've had some pretty tough testing times. One of them was, he said to me, it's my office in McPherson, we were sitting there around this little round table, and it was small enough he could reach across the table and, and take control of the situation. And he says to me, you know, I can just throw you right through that window. And you tell the rest of the story because you knew what the you knew what was going on inside you because even in our counseling sessions I always move people through this. That's my goal. You're seeing my goal for every sermon. You're seeing my goal for every counseling session. I don't care if they're a gang leader who has a gun to my head or I'm about to be thrown through the window. This is my goal. I wasn't getting to you. Holy Spirit, which took a three-year separation with him texting very hateful things to me, which I knew wasn't DK. I knew the real DK. Here's what was happening. Right there, he, this is our moment. He tells the story, I tell the story, we both keep telling the story because this is the moment whether he was watching to see if I would do what everyone else has done to him, and that's separate. Separate spiritual, mental, emotional, social, sexual, uh, physical, financial, legal, and in marriage situations, divorce. Satan's doing the same thing to us as bridal members in Christ, to see if we will divorce him. Division by force is the Latin definition of divorce. It's a ripping. It's a ripping the scab off. Here's where we were. And I stepped into it and said, throw me through the window. But I'm not stopping. See, he needed to know that this line was going to stay intact. 
I had to become the bridge as a minister for him to get to repentance. Our separation took a while and then God brought us back together and I've heard endless repentance out of him since. Which leads to reconciliation. Repentance always begs for reconciliation. Then there's oneness in the relationship and now we actually have a mature love between a father and a son. That's how it works. Sometimes it takes 25 years. That separation gap thing is 25 years, 20 years, 10 years, 2 years, 2 months. It just depends. The ideal is both of you reconcile it on the spot. There is no gap. It's right on the spot. It's walking over that bridge. Satan doesn't get any glory. Where does Satan get all of his glory and have all of his fun? Right here. Then you have to Christianize your bitterness. Shame on us. Harmony in the incident. We're walking along in the relationship in uh, perfect harmony. This starburst here is usually the offense that occurs. We start the hurt, silence, self-justification, the anger, all the rest of the stuff that comes with being slapped or offended. And there's this huge gap. These lines all represent days or weeks or years. And we stay at this wide gap. So there's a period in your unreconciliation. You are a long way away from this person. Sometimes physically. You'll move away from that father or mother or whoever or community. Or in some of the cases I minister to with in Africa, you move to a different country. And then over a period of time, you go into Laodicea and you start relaxing, not making such a big deal about it. The gap between the two of you is, well, let's just agree to be separated and friends. Let's be lukewarm friends. You ever notice you can't make a pathway through Jello? Kind of difficult, isn't it? Freezing again. Hot, cold. You can't nail Jello to a tree. You can't nail it to a cross, certainly. So Satan knows this, so he's trying to develop a lukewarm Laodicean society that never really reconciles their relationships. There's always a gap in there. But they learn to be peace to all men. Peace symbols, happiness, joy, getting along with everyone. All things, all people, all cultures. If you haven't been reading your Bible, that is the definition of the guy who's going to want run, manage the one world religion. That doesn't matter what you believe. We all serve the same God. It's not how we have been called to live. Fake harmony is going to require another incident. When that incident happens, 
If you do that getting along thing without reconciling, after the next incident, after the next incident, you're going to get to the point of going from pretending to tolerating to resigning yourself, that's just the way that person is, to literally giving up on them. Do you know what give up on them means? Raka. Do you know what raka means in the Greek? This is Jesus speaking in Matthew 5, and he who says raka is guilty enough to be thrown into the fiery pit of hell. Raka means the modern swear word, everyone listen to me in your own language wherever you are. Raka means go to hell. I give up on you. It's like saying to your earthly father, go to hell. I'm done with you. Since when did God give you the power to send someone to hell? Raka. That's a serious statement to get your life to this point. With your daddy, your mommy, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your friend, your enemy. Not our design. God puts you in the position of being the judge because you're the offended one. Do you realize that you and I are called to be offended? So we show people the power of reconciliation? Do you realize that Jesus is saying in that passage, step into the offense? There's no reaction. Do you need my coat too? You're breaking them down. Because they know overt is not demanding. Overt is not demanding overt. They figure it out real fast. I can't break this guy down. Makes them face themselves. But if you react, they get a thrill out of that one. Who doesn't? Why we do it? So the offended is the almighty, powerful judge. And we put the sentence on the offender by saying, the sentence I have for you is I shall never talk to you again. You shall never hear my voice upon your ears again. I'm never going to invite you to supper again. You'll never talk to your grandchildren. You'll never get to have the privilege of getting to know more. Great God. That's what we do. Just through silence. Just through I won't talk to you. It's not the way we're designed. What happens is it puts you in the jail and you have the keys in your hands. Bitterness, animosity, rejection, you make your own list. It's long and every person's list is different. And those bars, bitterness, animosity, anger, all the stuff you've allowed to be in your life, you created your own jail cell. And you have the seven keys in your hand you can walk out of this thing any time you want. That's how much Jesus Christ loves you, and that's how much Jesus Christ gave you. What are the seven keys? Well, here they are. Key number one, admit to God how you felt regarding the offense. Key number two, admit to God that you've been holding this person guilty for that act, the hurt, and the ramifications of the offense. Key number three is now extend freely forgiveness. This is what I was talking to you about in prayer. 
extend freely forgiveness to this person for the action, the hurt, and the ramifications. And then this forgiveness is extended grace to the offender in your prayers. You're extending grace to them. By the Lord Jesus Christ, please give them the grace that you gave me. That's evidence that God knows you're free. This confession is real. Key number four. I now put the offender in your hands. Instead of me squeezing the life out of them, I put the offender in your hands. Key number five. I now name and confess, agree with God, that my sinful reactions and attitudes, including holding them guilty, is wrong. So you're bringing it all back on you. Key number six, I choose to live as the new creation that I am in Christ. And finally, key number seven is, you tell God that I am willing to go and reconcile, humanly reconcile that relationship if God deems it appropriate. I have more stories than I have time to tell you today of how many times God has brought a relationship back to me that I figured I would never bump into this person again. One time Jane and I went out for a couple's weekend and we were checking into the hotel and there was a receptionist in that hotel who I had offended. What am I going to do at this moment? Seven keys. I try to keep those keys with me at all times. I don't always make use of them. But they are given to us as a gift. So now conflict with forgiveness is you're coming along in true harmony and they do it to you again. Exact same offense. You forgive instantly. You're at perfect harmony with them and God. They may not be with you, but you are with them. Boom, they do it again. And you forgive instantly. You remember that cycle? Keep the bridge intact so they can get to a mature love sooner or later. So it takes multiple offenses from an offender for them to be willing to let you wash their feet. It's in the washing of the feet that changed those disciples' lives. I know that. You have heard the ancients were told you shall not commit murder. Whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I, Jesus Christ, say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, which is a, another way of paraphrasing that out, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. Whoever says you fool, raka, is guilty enough to be thrown into the fiery pit of hell. Because it says I'm God. 
So therefore, if you remember all this, that someone does have something against you, leave your offering. First go be reconciled. Come back and present your offering. There are so many stories connected to this mandate. From Abraham having to offer Isaac. We may see it as a wallet. God sees it as, what relationship are you really willing to sacrifice for truth? That was Abraham's greatest test, wasn't it? He spoke of it as his greatest test. It was the Old Testament parallel of God giving up his only son. You think that was easy for God? Sacrificing his own son, having him become sin? Your sin? Take on all that abuse so he could actually preach this with clarity of mind? So I could preach it with clarity of mind? Well, I know. My Abba Father. And I understand him in ways I never had before. I understand my husband more than I did yesterday. This is all about my husband. Your husband. It's not about you and your happiness. God wants you to be joyful. But he doesn't want you to be happy. That is not a biblical word. Even though I understand, save your emails, even though I understand happiness is used in four translations, it is not a biblical word. Joyous. Joy of the Lord is our strength. When you're joyful, you can do this. If you're not, you have no strength. We want to thank you for listening in on our podcast today. This message comes to you by way of a podcast feed from Heartland Family Fellowship, a family-integrated church, which is an outreach of IOM America, right here in Sterling, Kansas. For more information about our church or international ministry, log on to www.iomamerica.org. And if you would like to connect to our fellowship, log on to www.heartlandfellowships.org. It's our prayer that the mind of Christ in you draws you into a deeper walk with Him.